Welcome back. Hello, everybody. I never think I'm going to come back, but I come back to the spot. Um, hello, my name's Simone, for those of you that don't know. Um, yeah, my name's Simone. Um, I said I would just put the hat on to break the ice. So I've broken the ice. I'll take it off now. Otherwise, Gavin's going to get mad at me. But, yeah. So I'll get on to it now. If you've joined us over the last few weeks, you'd know that um, we've been looking at the powering of mother as just our theme and our topic. Um, and I just would like to put the disclaimer out there from the get-go that as a mom, my experience is min, okay? Very little. The only real experience I have is raising my dog, Perseus. So Jade, can you just put Percy on the screen, please? The first one. I did prepare a visual aid, but apparently my visual aid is broken now, again. <laughs> okay, I don't think we'll be seeing Percy tonight, unfortunately. Um, I would have brought him with me, but my mom said no. And he also doesn't like people too much, so he's scared of them. So. Anyway, I won't be spending 20 minutes talking about him, don't worry. Um, instead, I'll be sharing about my own experience being mothered. Um, and just in no way does it currently reflect like the season I'm in and how I feel about the people in my life. Um, yeah, I can like confidently say that I'm blessed to be surrounded by a lot of wonderful women that are not only biologically related to me, but like community, friends, all of that stuff, stuff, yeah. Um, but for a long time, this is, it's just, it's been my experience since I was teeny tiny. Anyway, again, if you've caught one of these, a few of these series, you may have heard the fact thrown around um, that within, that the first five years of every child's like life that those first five years, they're the most crucial for the development of their well-being, their health, and just the general trajectory of you know, where they'll be going in the future. Um, but also, the most influential people in their lives in, that mo in those years are their moms. And for me, I've had quite the interesting experience being that in that kind of five-year region, I didn't only have one mom, or two moms, or three moms. <laughs> I've had four, like, bi like four moms biologically linked to me. Um, yeah. Um, and besides that, I also am one half of a twin. So if you have a sibling or a twin, you'd know that it's quite an interesting experience having a sibling or a twin. Um, and I thought, why not conduct a little experiment to see how our similar situations shaped us differently till today. For those of you that don't know, I'm a twin. Surprise, spoiler alert. Um, and she's currently in the States, appearing. Yeah, that's it. Anyway, like I said earlier, I did actually prepare a PowerPoint, but what I didn't take into consideration was how it would look behind me. I just focused on how pretty it was in front of me when I was doing it. 
so that I didn't have to stress about coming up here tonight. So if you can't read it, I do apologize. The thought was there. The outworking was a little lacking. Um, and another thing to note is that my sister and I are two very different people. So when like my side versus her side comes up, you'll kind of like see-ish, I hope. Anyway, last week, last week Christy, she came and spoke to us, and she said that she won't be starting with scripture, she'll be landing on scripture. And I thought that was super powerful, so I stole it. I stole that concept, trademarked it as mine. Um, so for the first part, I'll be talking about my own experience, and I'll be landing on scripture. <laughs> Pretty self-explanatory. So our first four, the, the mothers I was mentioning earlier, they come into play now. Wait, this is the wrong way around. So they come into play now. So I asked my okay, spoiler alert, it's fine. Um, I asked my sister and myself, obviously I asked myself, if we could categorize our four moms into like, give them like each a heading and what they taught us. So the first mom was the mother who never wanted me. And she taught me that in order to be loved, seen and wanted, um, I needed to perform and I had to be the best. Um, and there was no room for error. Um, and if her level wasn't reached, um, you got punished accordingly. And the only time you were spoken about was when you've done something worthy enough of being bragged to, you know, the friends. I grew up in an Afrikaans household, so all the aunties and stuff, and the grannies. Um, so that's one. Number two, this was the mom who had to be a mom, a dad, and the breadwinner. She had to be three in one. Um, and like this person truly, truly, genuinely wanted us, um, but because of circumstances, often got caught having to play at roles of being our mom, being our dad, and being the one like who had to financially, who had to carry the financial burden of raising not just one of us, but two of us at the same time. That's twice the school fees, guys. Um, twice the nappies, too. <laughs> um, and this told me that, and this taught me that while being loved was possible and it was good, um, so surviving was a priority. Survival came first, before any of the other good stuff. Um, and it often left me feeling a bit detached and unsure, just because I was wanted, I knew that, but work did come first. Um, and obviously in the moment, it's not what, I didn't know that I was feeling that in the moment, but like when I reflected on, later on, I could kind of, you know. Anyway, that's number two. Number three was our financial mother. And it sounds a bit contradictory because I just said the previous one was the breadwinner, right? Um, but moving on, anyway. I knew this person loved me, um, but it felt like they could only really be there for me as far as their money could go. Um, and the subconscious message that I was telling myself was, if I did well and if I behaved, I'd get rewarded. So then the motive became the same as the first one, perform to, perform to be loved, except I was being loved through materialistic things. I was, I was getting things that my friends had and that we couldn't necessarily afford ourselves. Um, and then we get num mother number four. 
This was the mother who only knew one way. And they were present, they were there, always there. Um, but often in their attempt to give us what we were lacking and what they had lacked in their own experience of being parented and mothered, um, they would try to fit us into the only mold they knew how and about how we should be as little girls and how we should honor and respect our parents. And while it's not a bad thing, what it taught me was that as a, as a person, as a kid, that I didn't have a voice and I didn't have a choice. And regardless of what your parents were doing, it was fine because they're your parents. You have to go with it. So while this is my own story and my own experience, it also does happen to be my sister's. Um, and I wanted to include her, include her perspective just to see how our little teeny tiny brains interpreted the same four people differently and how it would shape, how it would alter how we responded to these people today, almost. So I didn't actually want to read hers out. I kind of just wanted to put it there so you could read it. But like I said, I didn't think about the practicality of my PowerPoint. So I might actually have to read it for you. But could we just put the slide up anyway, just so it's there? It's the one with four, and it says, no, next. next. There we go. That's the one. You can kind of read it if you squint very well. Um, so the four are in the exact same order that I had said mine. Um, the first one was a mother who was unable to be a mother to anyone but her child. And this was the person who completely broke my sister's trust in mothers and mother figures and taught her that she wasn't important even to her own blood. The second one was the mother who loved her but kept seeing her past in her, in Nicole. Um, and it made it difficult for her to relate to mothers and to any other mother figures. Um, then it was a mother who didn't want her own children but saw us as her own. And this person gave her the love that she needed, wanted, and had tried to prepare her for a life that, prepare her for life in the only way she knew how. And then finally, the mother who recognized what her biological role was to us, but had stepped up because of the necessity um, of the circumstances. And this, it sometimes made her feel unworthy because there was quite a big age difference between us. Big age difference equals big difference in how you were brought up. Um, and for every 5% of like unworthiness she felt from this person, she received another 95% of love and worth from her. And it often was not beneficial for her own self-esteem. Um, yeah. Because it was filling a hole, but also not filling a hole, you know. Anyway, so hopefully that, oh, it's gone. <laughs> Um, so hopefully we can see the differences, or you can already pick up the differences between mine and her experiences with this same exact four people. Um, and from that, we can hopefully see that our views was based off of what we felt we needed and what we had wanted and deserved in that time. That's how we classified them almost. Um, and the reason I keep emphasizing things is because it's not how we currently feel. We've um, yeah, it's just how we both felt for a very, very long time until we had 
allowed God to respectfully in our own times enter our lives and we allowed him to mother us. Um, and for both of us, the act of being mothered by people who were not biologically linked to us, it was really difficult. For me, I was convinced that the relationships I had biologically was enough. It was all sunshine, rainbow, goody, goody, you know. Um, I mean, they were present, they did what they could to make sure that our needs were met and that seemed good enough for me. Um, and I had convinced myself that the wounding I had, because you know, you get a mother wound and a father wound, I was convinced I had the other one, the father wound. I didn't, I have a mom, definitely don't have a mother wound. Um, and I had always convinced myself that the wounding I had was because my dad was not present, ever, really. Um, and so spirit, spiritual mothering was not something that, wasn't something I thought I needed. And looking back, I can say that I also didn't think I deserved it because why would I need more than I already have? Um, and coming from not the most stable of upbringings, I didn't want to take away from other people because I knew what it felt like almost. That's kind of what I went with. Um, and for my sister as well, while she was open to having spiritual mothers, it wasn't because she needed spiritual assistance or because she wanted spiritual growth. She actually just wanted a mom. She would find herself imagining being adopted into these beautiful families and all the what ifs started playing. So while I longed for my dad, she longed for a mom. We're quite the pairing, aren't we? Yin and yang. I told you we're very different. Um, and this was a mindset I found myself trapped in for a long time, as in only now, like this last two weeks maybe, have I started to see and feel that it's actually okay. It's okay for me to want someone besides my mom. The world is not gonna break into a million pieces if I admit that I need someone else. Um, and I mean, it's for the sake of both of our sanity sometimes in seasons. I mean, I can be a bit of a handful apparently, so for her sanity more than anything. Um, and yeah, I was, I've just been seeing how it's okay to need someone else to depend on and want someone else to depend on. And even more so have I started seeing it after I chose to enter a season where I was actively wanting to be, like actively seeking for healing and for restoration in a lot of the areas in my life. Um, and in the Bible, we are exposed to many truths, many, 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 there's thousands, about who God is and about who we are to him. And one of those truths is that while he is our father, he can also be our mother, which I had never thought about. So if you could bring up Isaiah 66, 13. This is the NLT translation, yeah. I will comfort you there in Jerusalem as a mother comforts her child. The NIV version reads, as a mother comforts her child, so will I comfort you, and you will be comforted over Jerusalem. And it wasn't until I was preparing for tonight that I actually stopped to consider, like, consider that fact. I mean, I've known, I've seen the Lord as a father, and I've seen the areas where he has fathered me, but never did I think I needed a mom, or need, needed him to, mom, to mother me, mommy, to mother me. 
or that he wanted to, for that matter. I didn't believe that he wanted to mother me. And while I was stuck in traffic, because this tends to happen when you're stuck in traffic in an early morning, I was on the way to an appointment, um, and I decided I wasn't driving. I'm just putting that out there. I wasn't driving. So I decided I was going to do my morning reading in the car to stay awake. Otherwise, I would sleep. But I get motion sickness very quickly. So the fact that I chose to do that says a lot. <laughs> and I just wanted to read what I read that morning. And it was, it says, well, I'll read it. Um, when Mary first saw the risen Christ, she mistook him for the gardener. Or was it a mistake? Isn't he the one present at the beginning of creation? The one who br brings all creation back into its original order? Is it not his blood that soaks into the dirt of the garden and redeems all that we have shattered? Isn't he cultivating the soil of our hearts, planting seeds of hope and joy deep in our souls and bringing forth something new from the ground that was once hard with frost? Is it not his small voice that allows the fruit of the spirit to flourish in lives once claimed by the curse? While she was lost in her grief, Mary did not recognize Jesus until he said her name, Mary just one word. She ran and fell at his feet. In the same way that Eve received her name while in a cursed state, Jesus fully sees, knows, and loves Mary, just as she is, curse and all. We are no different. We share in the curse, but we also share in the love of Jesus, in the love of Jesus and his Father. When Jesus looks at us, we are fully seen, known, and loved. He speaks our name. And this struck with me, because this was early. I was like, huh? It really hit me. Um, that's, why I said, that's why I said it wasn't while I was driving. I wasn't the person driving. Otherwise, the car might have. Um, anyway, this stuck with me. Because is that not what a mother does? Is a mother not present from our very beginning in the tummy? Does she not nurture and encourage our growth throughout the years, even when we're old and wrinkled? Um, is she not someone who makes us feel seen, loved, and worthy, even when the rest of the world sometimes doesn't? And is that not how the Lord mothers us, spiritually and sometimes physically as well, through someone else, through another mother? And here on this random Monday, it could have been a Thursday as well. I'm not sure. My brain doesn't work too well in the mornings. But... On the morning while I was heading out to face a not so pleasant event or appointment, whatever, there he was reminding me that he sees me and he loves me and he knows my name. And as I reflected over that and I looked at the past weeks, I started to see how he placed, in, like he placed in, and he sent people my way in order to provide what I didn't even know I was desperately needing. Um, and then a season where I was struggling so much with family and wanting to be seen, he came to show me that he would redeem it, and he made me feel seen once again. And once we allow God to enter those wounded areas, and we choose to accept his motherly love, choosing is important, we have to want it. We ourselves will start to view our own moms differently, our own experiences differently. So then if we bring up those slides again, you don't have to, it's fine. <laughs> I'll just read it. No longer do I associate mother number three with how well she can reward me. Oh. Yes. No longer do I with how well she can reward me. 
but instead I view her as human, firstly, human, but also as who in her own way was trying to ensure that we didn't have to stay trapped in a life where we had to solely depend on someone else. And no longer do I see mother number two as someone who loved her work more than me, but instead I've come to understand the, the sacrifices she had to make in order for us to have a childhood that looked like our friend's childhood. Mother number four has now become someone who I can love regardless of our contrasting views and opinions and ways of thinking of life. Ways of thinking and living, sorry, I can't even read my own words. And mother number one, although I don't think I'd ever fully truly understand the choices and behaviors she displayed, I think I can forgive her and allow the little me to move on. So, in closing tonight, I just want to read over Isaiah 66 one last time. My eyes aren't tearing up because of tears. I have contacts in, guys. Just saying. <laughs> um, so if we bring up Isaiah 66 again, I want to read it for you, but I want to read it a bit differently. I will comfort you there in Jerusalem, in the hard places, in the lonely places, in the scary places, as a mother comforts her child. In the NIV, as a mother comforts her child, so will I comfort you, and you will be comforted over Jerusalem, over pain, over grief, over joy, and over unworthiness. And although there's still a lot I have to learn, a lot, and there's still a lot I need to allow God to see in me, a lot again, giving him the green light to see all those places has been my choice, and it's been for me. No one else. So as we enter a space of worship, I just want to encourage you guys to use this moment and to reflect on your own lives and to allow God to mother you in areas you may be needing it as well. You may be needing a mom's touch. Um, sure. Yeah, that was very good, Sam. Um, I just really, really, really got touched by, I've actually never read Isaiah 66, verse 13, and um, it reminded me, obviously, of my own mother, and I just, I just felt really impacted by it, so I just wanted to read it again. Um, as, one who comf as one whom his mother comforts, so will I comfort you. She'll be comforted in Jerusalem. I feel like this is very much, uh, this message is for everyone that, you know, our, our, our love, I've, over this past weekend, um, we were in, um, we did a mission trip in Stelis and Niceland, George, and areas like that. And I actually had a very similar experience, experiencing God for, for not the first time, but um, yeah, I would say kind of for the first time as a mother, and that really touched me. I, I can't remember which uh, book it was, but I read something similar around, along, the, along the lines. And I want us to go, when we go into the space of worship, um, we think, we, we remind ourselves of that, that we, you know, we, we need to see God as our mother and our father, spiritual parent who's there to comfort us. I experienced his grace so much over that weekend, and yeah, let's just go into that space. Um, 
And it was just, yeah, sorry, I wanted to remind us about um, the offering. You guys can come up during, while the worship, during worship, sorry. And yeah, we can put in some money. So why don't we all stand and just going to pray into this. Sure. Thank you, Lord, for this time. Thank you, Lord, for your just your wonderful love, your motherly love that as a babe to the chest, Lord, that you, you love us so much. So, Lord, will you lavish us here tonight, Lord, in your love. We thank you, Lord.